Hey, yo, strap up your Tims, because you're now listening to the Daily Knicks podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Tim Hardaway. Can he keep up this stretch that he's on right now? Will the Knicks change their lineup again? And the growing discussion between who's going to get minutes between Kevin Knox, Damian Dotson, and Noah Vonley. But first, here's this. Okay, so first, um, I'm recording this on a Tuesday. This is after the Knicks lost to the Chicago Bulls in double overtime, 116 to 115. Um, Zach Levine of the Bulls put it on the Knicks, putting up 41 points. Uh, he's the second player to drop 41 against the Knicks in the Garden, the other one being Kevin Durant earlier this season. Uh, Knicks fought back a lot. The game went to obviously double overtime. Um, they outscored the Bulls 30-24 to in the fourth quarter just to get it to overtime. Um, and so the score ended up being losing by one point on uh, Emmanuel Moutier foul. Now, I'll get to the foul in a second, um, but I want to just talk about the overall game. It's only been 11 games the Knicks have played. They're 3-8. and eight. This isn't a good team. I never expected them to be good. That was Fisdale's worst game that he coached in New York. Easily his worst game. Point one, if you watch the press conference, he just explained why um, Hardaway and Knox didn't play. Now, if you watch the game on Sunday when they played against the Wizards, you understand why. Timmy fell really hard. He wasn't himself after he had that back injury. I'm surprised they even suited him up. He wasn't going to play. Knox which you can tell the Knicks told him he was going to probably play on Monday because he told Rebecca Harlow that he was a game-time decision, and then Fizdale tried to walk that back, saying he doesn't make the decisions about when he plays when he's not. That's cool. Organization wants to make the decision. Whatever. The point being is that they suited him up in a game where Two, both teams couldn't stop each other. The Bulls are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They're the same team they gave up 92 points in a quarter or a half. They could have given up 200 points. Um, their starting five consists of Zach Levine and Jabari Parker, who are two of the worst, statistically the worst defensive players in the league. Like You can look at it, the fact that Zach Levine had 41 points, was only a plus three on the court. Okay. He also finished the game with eight turnovers as well and only grabbed four rebounds and missed a free throw for the fact that Knicks to even get it to overtime. However, why didn't Kevin Knox play? If you listen to what Fisdale said was he said he wanted to ease him back into the rhythm and that he wanted him, but he's going to play on Wednesday. And I'm confused. He didn't tear anything. MRI was negative. He had a sprained ankle. That's it. It was just sprained. I don't understand why, if he's able to play today, and he's only able to play five minutes, he's able to. He's good to go to play on Wednesday. That doesn't make any sense. So, in a game where you clearly need scoring, you're not stopping this team. We're in a new NBA. You are not stopping this team, even though this both teams were awful from the field. Um, 
The Bulls, who took 33s, made eight of them. I mean, eight of their 33s. The Knicks weren't that much better. They took 26. They only made seven, including Frank, who has been a horrible shooting slump, was, was 0 for 3 again. Um, they only had three guys, actually four guys, excuse me, actually make a three. Surprisingly, Moutier, Hazonia, Trier, and Dotson. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Vonley too, so six guys made a three. Um, yet, and it took them two extra two extra periods just to get to 115 points. You know, dudes are getting that midway through the fourth quarter most days. I think the Kings just scored 144 on someone the other night. Anyway, or the Bucks scored uh, 144 on the, on the Kings the other night. Excuse me. So why didn't he play more minutes? That doesn't make any sense. He played five minutes in the second quarter and didn't play the rest of the game. I understand why they didn't have uh, Robinson on the floor. They needed scoring. And without Timmy on the floor, they cannot. They are awful offensively. The first quarter, they only put up 21 points, and that was lucky that they even got 21. Um, So the whole knock situation, I'm really confused by. Second point. Trier had his worst game of the season. Uh, he missed he was five and ten from the field. He did make the big shot to send the game to overtime. He was nine for nine from the free throw line, so his numbers look good. He ended up with twenty one points, but he had two turnovers and clearly was not able to break down the defense the well the way he is. Now you can tell the Knicks are the void of offensive players when they are relying on a rookie undrafted player to be their go-to scorer this this far into the season. They don't have a guy who's able to beat people off the dribble consistently right now and get to the rim. That's the biggest problem. That's why they can't get open threes because they don't threaten the defense at the paint. But Trier should not have had as many minutes he's played. He played 42 minutes. He was making awful decisions. And some of the lineup choices that Fizdale had just didn't make any sense. He at one point had... Robinson and Cancer in the game at the same time, which if you saw the way the Bulls were playing, the Bulls were play, basically playing with four wings and just a center at one point. You can't play Cancer and Robinson at the same time. Both of those guys, at least, you know, Robinson, a rookie, Cancer, just his inability to play defense, aren't able to play in that kind of space. So that was curious. And then Hazonia playing 36 minutes. Granted, yes, he had 15 points, but there were so many layups he just missed over and over and over again, not to mention the turnovers. It's, it was a bad game. I know they only lost by one point, and you can argue the three best players basically didn't play. I'm including Kevin Knox. Uh, but that was a game that the Knicks could have won, and it's frustrating as a fan because like I already said in my first podcast, I don't want the Knicks to tank. I already gave my reasons why I think tanking is wrong. Either way, they should and could have won that game. Could and should have won that game. Um, so I'm not bailing on Fisdale. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I just thought last night was his worst game as a Knicks so far coach because there was a lot of just weird, just weird lineups he just had out there. Just most of the game and. I don't know. It was just it was an it was just a bad game overall. Now obviously they play the next game in Atlanta, which the Knicks have historically played bad playing the Hawks in Atlanta. Um, I don't even want to go back to the three overtime game that happened uh, I think two seasons ago. Um, but yeah, okay, moving on. So 
speaking of the aforementioned Tim Hardaway, which this whole segment is going to be based on um, him and how clearly the Knicks need him in the lineup. Um, He currently is averaging 23 points, shooting 42% from the field, and is shooting about 40% from three, which would be a career high if he keeps that up. Um, The question is, can he... Can he sustain this at this moment? Um, if you look at his career averages pretty much before this season, um, you just check out his basketball reference page. Um, his highest points per game outside of this season was last year when he averaged 17 points a game. Um, the highest assist he ever averaged prior to this season was last season, which was 22.7. He's averaging about a little bit over three again, three a game. Uh, his efficiency numbers, uh, this is his lowest shooting efficiency numbers. He's only shooting about, I gave him 42%, it's 41.7. His highest shooting was the year in Atlanta where he shot 45%. Now he shot significantly uh, less amount of shots. He only took 11 shots that season as opposed to the 18 he's shooting this season. So, I mean, an inefficient shooter would, obviously his numbers would go down. The one thing that is... We want to see if that's sustainable or not. He's shooting this forty percent. He's shooting from 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 three is not only the most attempts he's attempted in the season, but it's five points ahead of his career high. His career high was only thirty five percent that same season in Atlanta when he only shot eleven point five. I think that's the key. If his three point percentage can stay at forty percent, then it shows that he can keep these numbers up and average about 23 points per game. Now, the thing is, will the efficiency stay this high? Now, shooting 42% isn't great. Um, those are kind of like Westbrook numbers, which I'm not the biggest fan of Russell Westbrook, but shooting 42%, and you have to understand now that he is literally the only offensive player legitimately on the on the court right now. He's the only guy to be able to get into the paint and create any type of offense. He's the best three-point shooter. He's the best playmaker on the team which shows you how bad the Knicks are um, to get to the paint and finish around the rim. Um, it appears he's going to play on Wednesday, but fingers crossed on that. Uh, it just appeared to be a uh, just back spasms um, from what I saw from the injury, but the Knicks haven't really commented too much on that after that. Um, he's shooting a career high, like I said, in 18. He's taking 18 shots a game. Right now, this will be 15th in the league on the amount of shots he, he's taking at the moment. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to play with him and Knox when Knox eventually gets his minutes and starts getting his run. Will his shot attempts come down? Um, but would, could his efficiency numbers go up? I'm going to suggest just from going off of his previous years that his numbers will come down slightly. Um, I think... He might give up a shot or two for Knox when they play together. At some point, they're going to play those two guys together um, in close games and see how they work well together. Um, so I think he'll start deferring maybe a little bit of his shots towards Knox. But again, we'll see how this goes. Um, now, the big question, obviously, the whole thing is, will Timmy make an all-star bid? Now, if we look at the roster from last season, now things have changed, and the this voting's a little weird how they pick the all stars. But I had nine. There were nine guards basically um, picked that were on the Easter Conference last year that made the all star team. 
It was DeMar DeRozan. It was Kyrie Irving. It was Brad Beal. It was um, Victor Oladipo, Kemba Walker, John Wall, uh, and uh, Kyle Lowry. So those are the nine guards that went. Now, there also are wild card spots that were uh, divvied up. I know Kemba got in because Chris Stats uh, got hurt, and you know injuries can change you know, things that happen. But, and obviously certain people left the league, like the Mars and then the East anymore. Right now, the people who I would say are locks to make the All-Star game from the Eastern Conference, from the guard spot, would be Kyrie, Kyle Lowry, Victor Lodipo, and Kemba Walker. If Kemba keeps it up. I think, believe Kemba's still leading the league in scoring, or he's top five in scoring. So those are four guys right now that I would consider to be locks to go. Now, a fifth spot... I would think as much as, you know, the as bad as the Wizards are playing and I still don't have them making the playoffs, um, I think one of those two guards is getting those spots. One of those two guards, whether it's Beal or Wall. They'll split it. One of those guys will go. So that would basically mean that um, Timmy would have to uh, get a spot ahead of either Dragic who made it last year um, Beal, or get one of those two wild card spots. I think it's going to be really tough for him to make it unless his team just – they have to be better than what they are now. Like currently, the Heat are playing really well. And also you have to think probably Ben Simmons is going to make this team as well at one of those guards. Or if he goes as a forward, you know, that's where it gets a little tricky. What position do you, do you does he play? Um I'm going to say for right now, just to be conservative, I'm going to say he's not going to make it. I know he would really want to make it. That would be a really cool achievement for him. Now, obviously, injuries can happen right now. Like Kevin Love is hurt right now, like he always is. Um, But you could probably assume Blake Griffin is going to take that spot. Um, So I would say it's, it's more than likely he won't make it. Uh, there is there is a chance there's precedent. He is averaging career highs in all the spots. If the Knicks can get to maybe the tenth spot in the East, maybe the ninth, just on the outside looking in with some injuries, I I can see him potentially getting in. Um, but if I had a pick right now, I would say no. He's not. He's not going to make the team. Uh, speaking of making a team and all this other stuff, going to take a quick break. Let me also just listen to some ads. All right, back again, um, changing up things. of talking about the Knicks changing up their starting lineup again. So this is the sixth game they just played where it was um, Knox. Not Knox, I'm sorry. Where it was you know, supposed to be Timmy, Frankie, um, Dotson, Ken, uh, Mitchell Robinson, and Noah Vonley. This was their sixth game. Well, they played five games. This was supposed to be the sixth game until you know Timmy was hurt. So unfortunately, they didn't have a game to play. Will the roster change again? So my thinking before tonight, I had, you know, the, the ready, the people who I, I originally thought who was going to not play in the game. So I think right now Dotson has to remain the starter. Um, he's played really well, better than I or anyone played thought who's playing. He didn't play in the two games. Um, 
he didn't play in the two game, the first two games of the season. But since he's played in the games, he's averaged over ten points every single game he's played. He had eighteen points last night. He shot fifty percent from the field. He played. I mean, granted, played the defense on you know Zach Levine down the stretch. But I mean, Zach Levine. It's an offensive league. It's hard to stop anybody in today's NBA. Um, I think he's played really well. I think he's going to stay. That that to me right now is the only other lock. The next two guys I think can definitely be replaced. So Mitchell Robinson, if you will, there's a Bleach Report article on him and how he's been playing for the start of the season. Um, obviously, he was an underrated rookie. Um, the article is by David Fava, Favel. Favel, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. I'm terrible at pronouncing people's names. But he wrote a little piece on Robinson. I'll just read a little snippet for you guys just real quick. These are just for the underrated rookies that, you know, the guys who weren't heralded coming out. Uh so he makes a comparison to him being looking like Giannis Antetokounmpo. He makes a comparison off of the uh, steal and the dunk that he had against the uh, the Nets uh, this past, the last time they played the Nets at home. But his main point is just this. Once he polishes his defensive bearings, i.e. box out consistently, doesn't sacrifice placements in the post and around the rim for attempts, the Knicks will have a draft day mega steal on their hands. In fact, Give his pole position, number 36, they already do. Um, so, obviously, the main reason why um, uh, Cantor was benched for Knox was because of the fact that Knicks needed to be able to stop people from going to the paint and going to the rim. And Mitchell obviously provides that. He's a lot better on switches. He closes out. His closeouts have been a lot better. He hasn't been jumping a lot more. But you can see he's getting more and more frustrated in the games. Um, he's still picking up fouls. He's talking a lot to the refs. He already has two technicals on the season. Um, they made a point, um, Wally Zerbiak and Alan Hahn made the point about how much money it is that he's going to lose if he keeps getting these technicals. They're 2000 apiece, and obviously he's a second-round pick. He didn't make that much money on the roster, on the team. Um, so it's still all the learning curve for him. You can tell that he's still young. He's still 20. He still has immature moments, but I still believe that he would be a good assets to play. Now it's going to be really hard to keep him in the starting lineup when you had Enos Cantor basically have a 2020 game. They said it's the first 20 ga- 2020 uh, game off the bench for uh, since Charles Barkley. It's the first for Nick ever. He had 2020 and also seven assists. Um, so he's played very well off the bench in that reserve role. Now he did have. Let me go to his minutes. He did have uh, 41 minutes. He played 41 minutes last night. Obviously, the two overtimes um, help. He wasn't really subbed out after the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know if 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 Fizdale will. Again, like I said before, this team is going to look more like a baseball team. I feel like there's going to be a lot of mitching, mitching and matching happening from game to game. There's some games that Robinson will play that will be a lot better for him to play. There'll be a lot of games that, you know, for cancer to play, like last night. Last night was obviously a, a up-and-down game where, you know, defense, I guess, was optional at some point. Um, but it shows that cancer hasn't let the, the game really affect him mentally. He's still putting up decent numbers, even though we all know how bad poor his defense is. Um, so that can be the switch. And then finally would be Noah Vonley. How would it look like if Vonley keeps starting? He has been fouling at an alarming rate. The Knicks overall, 
foul at an alarming rate. They, when you're a bad defensive team, you foul. And that's what it is. You foul consistently. Lately, they've been fouling a lot very early. Like they foul like on consistent plays. Like they'll foul, the team will take the ball out of bounds, and they'll foul again. And then they're already two in the hole. And then once you get five, you're shooting the rest of the game. So it's very hard for them to play defense, especially the fact that like a lot of their you know perimeter players aren't super athletic. Um, so Vonley for Knox, I think it's coming eventually. Uh, I think over time, Knox will eventually be the four. Um, I think of the ideal starting lineup for the Knicks, at least this season, not including Chris Stats, if he doesn't come back, would be um, would have uh, Frankie, Timmy, Dotson, uh, Knox, and Robinson, a team that's very flexible. You can switch a lot of guys around, and then obviously – Robinson has to improve on his rebounding. He's only averaging about four or five per game at this moment. Um, even with like, if you prorate to 36 minutes, it's only up to like seven. Um, so he has to get the rebounding up or cancer is going to stay a mainstay in that lineup. Um, so he, he needs to just keep the fouls at a uh, minimum. All right. And obviously speaking of the lineup change, talking about the big lineup change between the three spot, which is kind of the most important uh, spot on the team at the moment. All right, thank you guys for waiting. Back at it again. All right, so that's a quick point. Obviously, talking about the Knox, Dotson, and Vonley. We talked about it a little bit beforehand. Um, when can Knox Conley finally crack the starting lineup? That's still an uh, issue for the team. And where did this all play? Now, Knox is a traditional three, you know, and that's kind of where the Knicks kind of drafted him for. They had a huge opening at the threes position. They didn't have anyone there. Um, so they needed someone to play. That's kind of why they you know, decided to take Kevin Knox. It's going to be interesting to see because right now the biggest issue for the Knicks is definitely the rebounding. So the two guys that are the best rebounders on the team are Vonley and Cantor. The issue with that, with them being the two best rebounds on the team, is that they have to, one of them has to probably play at all times. So whether it's Knox and Vonley, or whether it's, um, you know, Robinson and Vonley, or maybe it's Knox and Cantor, one of those two guys, Fisdale has kept on the floor pretty much at all times because the pairing right now, we haven't seen it a lot. You know, obviously Knox being hurt. At the moment, we haven't seen a pairing of Robinson and Knox playing together, being able to be a at least a decent rebounding team. You're not going to win games. You're just going to get blown out. You just can't get the rebound. We saw it in the game against the Bulls. They just they couldn't get the rebounds on key possessions, and the Bulls got second and third and fourth opportunities, and they lost. Um, so the dynamic of having Vonley or 
Cantor in the game at all times is going to stay. So whether Vonley's starting, he's going to start. If Cantor's starting, he's going to start. I don't believe both of them will start, but one or the other will start. Um, so I think it's it's almost impossible to put um, at this moment, put Dots on the bench. He's played too well. He doesn't deserve to be put on the bench. But we said it before, like Cantor didn't really deserve to get put on the bench, but he was placed on the bench, you know, for Robinson to develop. So I believe at one point or another, Dotson will be on the bench in place of Knox, and he'll be maybe the seventh or eighth guy, seventh or eighth guy off the bench for the team. And that can be the way that can set up for them to go. Now, then the, the bigger issue was be where does Trier play? Now, I haven't been this bullish on Trier. I think he's good, but people's like start trying to figure out why he went undrafted. There's a reason he went undrafted. Um, and you kind of saw a little bit of it last night. His handle is good. It's not great. His athletic, he's just, he's, he's solid at everything. And the thing about me, the thing about with, with everything is the biggest thing I heard from my, my boy told me this a while ago. You cannot be a star if you're not great at anything. And Trier is not great at anything. He's really good. He's a good foul shooter. He's a good re- you know, rebounder for a guard. He's a good ball handler. He's a good shooter from the mid-range. But he's not great at anything. And that's the biggest thing that's going to hold him back. You saw that he could not handle the double team when the Bulls came and sent it at him. He you know, either threw it away or, you know, the basically just couldn't get, get the, couldn't get, keep the ball moving. So I think he should play. I think it's really important for him to keep playing and trying to play as well as he can, but more in that six man, what kind of, you know, um, Trey Burke role we had going. So that's the way the whole match, I believe, is just going to go. All right. And obviously, you guys like to do this is the mashup part of the pod where I basically just take two segments and try to fit them together who um, they might not be related. And I'm playing this on Tuesday. I'm going to try to get this out for you guys on Tuesday, um, you know, or maybe you might hear this on Wednesday, the day after. But it's Election Day. And I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. I'm not going to tell you who you should vote for. The point of the matter is you should vote. Y'all sit up there and y'all take time to tweet. Y'all take time to vote for your favorite NBA player to get to All-Star Game. Y'all even take time to check out Instagram stories. Y'all take the five minutes out of the day. Go to wherever you got to go. It's probably at your high school or probably at your, you know, wherever. Like your friend's kid's high school or elementary school. And just go vote. Uh, I wasn't a proponent of voting in the past. Uh, If you guys... Don't know. I live in New York, so it's pretty set in one certain direction. But it's not the fact that, you know, maybe you live in a red state or a blue state or whatever. You're not in a swing state. But the point of the matter is, is that you can't ask for change if you're not willing to participate. And like the Knicks are clearly trying to evoke change into their culture, into their youth, into the system. They're actively doing it. They're not making the same mistakes they did in the past. So if you want to invoke change, you have to be an active participant. It is not a passive role. So I would ask all of you on the side of my voice, whoever is listening, to please go out and vote, whichever way you'd like to feel, and let the numbers fall where they fall. So again, 
Thank you guys again for listening. Thanks to all the sponsors who were on this pod. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Daily Knicks. You know where to find us. Uh, make sure you always also go to the website, um, the Daily Knicks. It's a lot of good, interesting stuff. It's people that even disagree with me about the whole uh, Bulls debacle or the Kevin Knox injury, you know, how many minutes he should have played. But just thank you guys again for everyone who decided to listen to me, pay attention, and, yeah, I'll talk to you guys again next week.